The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. And so tonight is the night around the TV sets across all of our nation. 95% of Americans will bond together with one common purpose, to root for the Rams to beat the stuffing out of Tom Brady and the Patriots. The one boo is from that 5%. (laughs) The truth is that there are only one kind of Patriots fans, those that like the Patriots. Tonight, there are 31 other teams in the NFL, so there are 31 different kinds of Rams fans tonight. Everybody else so um, that didn't make it is rooting for the Rams, all right? Now, the reason, though, that we we love football, football is uh, like the perfect, what we call a zero-sum game. Now, zero-sum game theory is actually a mathematical theory, and yes, me the math teacher, you knew it was coming sooner or later, so we'll get it out of the way right at the beginning. Zero-sum math theory uh, is basically, it's this idea that a game, everything adds up to zero. Here's the idea. For every time you score a point, the other team gives up a point, right? For somebody to gain, somebody else has to lose. If, you gain, if I gain 10 yards, you lose 10 yards, right? It all adds up. If, so if you take all the gains, subtract all the losses, it all adds up to zero. That's why it's called a zero-sum theory, okay? And so it works great for football because what it does is it produces for us this great competition to watch where everybody is trying to put, you know, climb over the other person, shove the other person down. It's like this 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 gladiator sport for us here in America these days. And uh, we just love to watch football and it works great for that. But I'll tell you where zero sum theory doesn't work well. Too often our society lives life by the rules of a zero-sum theory. And when applied to the game of life, the zero-sum mindset doesn't work because how that goes is it's this, either I win or you do. See, there can't be two winners. Either you're going to get that raise or I'm going to get it. Either you're going to get that promotion or I'm going to get it. In order to get ahead, I have to make sure you don't get ahead. Because if you're getting ahead too far, that means I'm not. And this is the way our world operates. Our world operates as a zero-sum game. And we rarely want to admit it, but the truth is, we actually feel a little better when those who are always succeeding get knocked down a peg or two. That's why we're rooting against Tom Brady, isn't it? why all you haters don't like my New York Yankees, because we always win. <laughs> you're, you're the Patriots man, aren't you? No. You were the one booing. <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding. But in, in all reality, though, we live life by these rules. And, and deep inside of us, we don't like to admit it, but we do have that part of us that says, you know, I don't mind when other people are doing well as long as they're not doing too well, not doing better than me. You know, if they're not doing better than me, I'm okay with it, right? And so we, this competition, this life of competition, we find ourselves competing, comparing ourselves to others, contrasting our life with everyone else's, and we find ourselves pitted against each other. And we live pointing out each other's flaws, 
even leveraging other people's failures to help ourselves get ahead, taking advantage of their missteps so that we can push them down and we can climb ahead of them. And then, because we're doing that, we assume everybody else is doing that, and life becomes just this big, giant competition. So we often are left feeling, at the end of the day, feeling disconnected, very lonely, very empty inside. Real relationships are hard to come by and friendships because we're still in competition with each other. So we turn to uh, the digital world because in digital relationships, guess what? We, we can interact on our own terms and we don't actually have to get along with anybody we don't wanna get along with. Because if you voice something we don't like, we simply push the unfriend button or the unfollow button or whatever it is. I don't know. I've never unfriended anybody. But uh, so I've been defriended before. <laughs> that probably doesn't surprise anybody. So I'll move on. Uh, <laughs> and in the end, we track what we can track thousands of followers and friends on our Facebook and Twitter and Instagram accounts. And yet, in the end, do we really know any of them authentically? Somehow we still, the end result is that in spite of having more access to friends and family than we have ever had before because of the internet, because of smartphones, and we have more access, we still, we end up, our society feels more disconnected and lost than ever before. It's because we live in an either-or society. It's either me or it's you. But in the end, everyone ends up back at zero. See, here's what I know about tonight's game. About 10.30, 11 o'clock tonight, all 32 teams will officially be zero and zero. Because as soon as the game's over, everybody starts dreaming about next year's Super Bowl and it's going to be my team next year or we have to repeat or whatever. You see, at the end of the day, when you play a zero-sum game, everybody ends up with zero. Even if you win, it doesn't last long, right? So, in church, maybe especially at church, this is really, um, it can be really just difficult because we come to church expecting to be, feel connected, expecting to be accepted and to have a sense of belonging, belonging. If it doesn't happen here, we find ourselves left even feeling worse. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, I can't even find acceptance at church. So we will sometimes, before we even give that, Anybody else a chance, we start putting on our Sunday best. I'm not talking about your clothes. I'm talking about trying to fit in, acting like somebody you're not, trying to put on your emotional Sunday best, your spiritual Sunday best, your relational Sunday best, so that you can hopefully fit in. But at the end of the day, if we discuss what we can discover through those efforts is that we really just have shallow relationships with no authenticity. But that's not how God intended it. You see, God did not design 
a zero-sum game. So we've been studying the book of Ezekiel, and we're going to look at one more week here at the book of Ezekiel and read from Ezekiel's vision that God has given him. And God, the, the, the vision God gave Ezekiel and the prophecy God gave Ezekiel, it's, it's all about bringing dry bones to life. God putting, sending healing into the brokenness, sending life into the lifeless. And this morning, God looks at the zero-sum game that our society plays, where everybody loses, everybody ends up with zero, where we're in competition all the time. And God says, no, I have a different way of living. And so we're going to read the words that, he, that God spoke to Israel through Ezekiel. And we're going to pick up Ezekiel 47, verses 13 and 14, and verses 21 through 23. This is what God is saying to the Israelites, but also very appropriately saying to us today in our society. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Divide the land in this way for the 12 tribes of Israel. The descendants of Joseph will be given two shares of land. Otherwise, each tribe will receive an equal share. I took a solemn oath and swore that I would give this land to your ancestors, and it will now come to you as your possession. I'm now going to skip to verse 21, where God says, Divide the land within these boundaries among the tribes of Israel. Distribute the land as an allotment for yourselves and for the foreigners who have joined you and are raising their families among you. They will be like native-born Israelites to you and will receive an allotment among the tribes. These foreigners are to be given land within the territory of the tribe with whom they now live. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Here are the two important ideas I want us to pull out of that scripture. Number one, God was saying it's for everyone. It's not just for the Israelites. His blessings are for everybody. What God was saying was it does not matter whether they look like you, talk like you, or act like you. My blessings are for everybody, not just for a select group. And the second thing in, in verse 13 and 14 at the beginning, God was saying everybody gets an equal share. So not only is, are his blessings for everybody, but his blessings are for everybody equally. Now you might think, okay, but didn't Joseph receive, Joseph's descendants receive two shares? That's because there were two tribes of Israel that came out of Joseph's descendants. And so because they had two tribes came out, in order for each tribe to receive an equal share, Joseph's descendants had to receive two shares, one for each of the tribes that came out of uh, his descendants. So the idea is this. The world says it's either you or me. There's only going to be one winner, and there's going to be one loser. So you better be the winner. Hey, they put us in competition with each other. They say, no, there's only, it's only for a select few. And even if you win, there's always going to be somebody who wins better than you, who gets more than you. That's what the world says. What God is saying is, no, my blessings are for everyone. See, the world wants us to, to experience competition. God wants us to experience community. That's today's big idea is God wants us to experience community. You see, God has a better way than the zero-sum game. You know, as I was preparing this message, I, I, I thought about 
uh, a movie from the early 80s, and I'm going to uh, uh, reveal just about how old I am. You're going to be able to kind of guess from this. But there was a movie called War Games that came out in the early 80s. It was uh, starred Matthew Broderick before Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So if you've never seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I, I pity you because that's just like a classic, uh, especially for uh, teachers, I guess. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, here's the but here's the idea behind this movie War Games. A computer was set up to control our nuclear arsenal. Okay, and the idea was this: they ran a simulation only. In the computer programming, something went wrong, and the computer did not know it was a simulation they were running. And so the computer thought that Russia had fired their nuclear arsenal at us. Okay, so the computer prepared to fire all our nuclear weapons back and did what it was programmed to do, locked all the, the military and the humans out of the computer so that it could fire the weapons. And... What the computer had to learn, I'm summarizing this move very quickly, but what the computer had to learn was that in a nuclear war, nobody wins, everybody loses. What happened was it was a zero-sum game. Russia fired their missiles, they were going to win and we were going to lose, but before they landed, we were going to fire back. We were going to win and they were going to lose, but in the end, nobody wins because we're all dead. In the heart of the Cold War, um, this was known as the doctrine of mutually assured destruction. Russia won't fire on us because they know they're going to die too if they do. We won't fire on them because we're going to die if we do. Because before the missiles land, they will fire their entire arsenal at us and we're all going to die too. So nobody fires the nuclear weapons because of this mutually assured destruction. What God is saying is God looks down and he sees that we live life in this mutually assured destruction. We would rather hold somebody else back and make them fail like we fail than actually let somebody else succeed where we didn't. We don't want other people to succeed above us. And God looks at our world and he sees that we're playing a game of mutually assured destruction. And God says, no, that was never my intention. My intention is that you play a game of mutually assured success. You see, the way the world plays in a zero-sum game, there's a winner and a loser, but in the end, everyone ends up with zero. But in God's way, everybody can still win. So how does this work? How does God's way work? How is it different than a zero-sum game? Well, first of all, we, the world wants to split us apart, wants to pit us against each other. God instead seeks to bring us together, to connect us. And so we experience community when God brings us together. You know, the world will tell you that there's a lot of ways to experience community, to experience connection. And none of them lead to true community. They'll tell you that if you want to be fulfilled inside, you need a, you know, a salacious sex life will do it. Or, or you'll find your fulfillment at the bottom of a bottle of alcohol. Or you'll find your fulfillment with those drugs. Or you'll find your fulfillment in the competition by beating everybody else. 
by finding wealth and fame and power. But in the end, can I tell you, those that get wealth and fame and power still end up losing. How do I know? Well, the last few years, there's been a rash of suicides amongst celebrities. And there's a rash of just, you listen to many celebrities interviewed, they are so angry and bitter about so many things. And here's the deal. What's happened is they've got everything that the world says would make them fulfilled. But in the end, when they got it, it didn't change anything. They still felt empty inside, but now they've lost hope because they've got everything that was supposed to make them happy and it didn't. Now there's nothing else left. And so they lose all hope as well. Look, here's the deal. The world will tell you all kinds of ways to true fulfillment, but the only true way is through God. You see, every one of us knows what it means to feel lonely and empty. And every one of us knows what it means to be disconnected from God. You see, we all have, as the Bible says, the Apostle Paul said that we are all sinners. That phrase sinners refers to the fact that all of us at some point in our life make decisions that go in opposition to what God desires for our life. The Bible calls those decisions sin and those actions that we take. They, the Bible calls those sin. And sin leads to, eventually, eternal death and destruction. It sets us on a pathway to eternal death and destruction. It is a zero-sum game because in the end, we are all going to lose. Unfortunately, we have no way of undoing that. But God, God looked down. God wasn't okay with watching all of us lose and all of us head to eternal destruction. So he sent his only son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus lived the perfect sinless life. And then he took our death sentence on himself, though he didn't deserve death. He was the only, literally, the only human being to ever live that did not deserve that death sentence for sin. And yet he took it on himself. He paid our penalty. He took our sentence. But beyond that, he took that sentence when he died on Calvary, but three days later, he rose again from the dead. And in doing so, he gained victory over death and sin. And in that victory, he now can offer us something different. He offers a way out of that zero-sum game called sin that leads to eternal destruction. And now he offers eternal life. And it's to anybody who is willing to simply say, yes, God. I need you in my life. I want to be a Jesus follower. Ephesians 2.19 says, you are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. So this morning, maybe you hear those words and you know that's not you. That you are not a member of God's family. That you are not a citizen along with God's holy people. Be can I tell you this morning, it's going to be really easy. In a few moments, you're going to, I'm going to invite you to become a member of God's family. And you're going to get that opportunity today because God desires for every one of us to walk away from the zero-sum game and to live life God's way so that we can receive eternal life. And so experiencing community because God brings us together, what that means is that creates the foundation 
of community. It has to start with a shared, common faith in Jesus Christ. Real, authentic community will never be built by the world because they're building on the wrong foundations. They're trying to build on a foundation of of power and wealth and fame instead of on God. So we experience community first when God brings us together Next, we experience community when we share life together. So that foundation has been laid, our faith. God has brought us together in our faith and strengthened us. But now, guess what? We have a part to play. Okay, We now have to do the hard work of sharing life together. Meaning we have to do the hard work of, of getting along. And this isn't always easy or desirable for us. You see, here's the bad news. Even in the body of Christ, sometimes people aren't always easy to get along with. Some of you aren't easy to get along with. The truth is, sometimes I'm the one that's not so easy to get along with. Uh, Just ask my wife. She can tell you. I'm not always easy to get along with. So the bad news is we have to do the hard work of getting along when it's not so easy We have to, uh, you know, some of us are introverts who want to hide from community and have to kind of force ourselves to to share life together. Uh, Some of, and sharing life, listen, it's it's not always easy because sometimes we have to say we're sorry when we mess up. And we don't always like saying I'm sorry. Sometimes it means forgiving people who have hurt us, even though we're still angry at them. Sometimes it means putting up with people whose politics, attitudes, music preferences, movie preferences, or really their views on just about everything is different than ours. You don't know anybody that ever disagrees with you, do you? Yeah. You see, in the world system, you just defriend them, but there is no defriending in the family of God. We have been challenged by God to do it differently, to share life together and to do the hard work of getting along when it's not easy. But here's the good news. It's not just bad news. Here's the awesome news. When you share life together, our joys are actually magnified and they are are expanded exponentially. Here's the deal. When was the last time something really cool and awesome happened to you? What's the first thing you wanted to do? You wanted to go tell somebody, right? You want to go tell somebody because honestly, if something really cool happened and you don't ever get to tell anybody, it may as well not have even happened. Half the excitement is in sharing the joy. And so the cool thing is in in true, authentic community, when we share life together, our joys are exponentially magnified. But here's the awesome thing too. Our, Our sorrows and our burdens, they're actually lessened when we share them with others. Because we're helping each other. We're all lifting the weight together instead of by yourself. Hey, so... That's the cool thing. It doesn't make sense to the world. To the world, if one person does something good, somebody else is getting something bad. If there's a winner, there's a loser. But in God's family, we all win. 
That doesn't make sense in a zero-sum game. But God's not playing a zero-sum game. He's not playing assured mutual destruction. He wants us to play a game of assured mutual success. And that's the awesome thing. When we share life together, our joys are magnified. Our sorrows are lessened and lightened. God designed his church not just to be a collection of individuals going our own different ways, but to be a collection of individuals who are created and made into one body that can accomplish more together. You see, God designed us to be better together. There's four thoughts I want to share with you about how we share life together very quickly. One of the first one is we are better together. And uh, now, I, to illustrate this, how we are better together, uh, I invented something about, uh, I don't know, eight, ten years ago, whatever it was. Um, it used to drive me nuts when uh, either my wife or I would spend like all day Saturday doing laundry. And if you've ever seen how much laundry four people can produce in one week, you understand what I mean, all right? So I invented something called laundry parties. Now, in my house, when you hear the phrase, we're having a party, it's party time, my kids just go, ugh. Because see, my laundry party, we take all the clean clothes, all the basket clean clothes, we dump them on one bed. The pile is now taller than me. I know, don't make the jokes. It doesn't take much to be taller than me. I get it, right? You know, I'm short, aha. Uh -huh. But uh, anyway, but it's taller than me, right? We got this big mask. But what we do is we just start folding. We toss the stuff to the person who's going to put it away, whose it is. And if you accidentally toss it to the wrong person because you're not sure whose it is, they'll just pass it on to the next person. Ooh, I almost fell off the stage there. Uh, that would have been very bad. Uh, I've never done that before, and I'm not going to try to start today. Uh, but uh, so what happens was, though, we managed to get through the laundry 10 times faster. You see, four people made the work 10 times easier. Not four times easier, 10 times easier. You see, that's how it works. We are better together. When we are joined together, the load doesn't just become, for two people, twice as easy. It becomes four times as easy. When you have four people, it becomes ten times easier. Okay? And, uh, and that's the idea. By the way, you know, if, if you are still, we no longer have to worry about laundry parties. My kids are at college. They can do their own laundry now. They are happier that way, and so are we, because now my wife and I simply are home alone partying. I'll let your imagination wander with that one. <laughs> I thought I could transition out of that. I was wrong. <laughs> So we are better together. All right, quickly, the other three things we are, that God intends for us to do together. Number one, or the next one is we serve together. And notice it's not work together, it's serve together. When you go to work, you're there just to accomplish a job. And if somebody loses their job, yes, you're, you might be sad if you liked working with them, but they're going to hire somebody else, and life goes on, and you keep doing the work, right? But serving together is different. We're not just bonded together to accomplish a job. We are bound together with a common mission and a common sacrifice to build a family, not just a group of people trying to get something done or accomplished, but a family. 
We are to be family for those who don't have a family. In Old Testament law, foreigners were not given the rights, were not, didn't own land because they didn't have the rights of citizenship. But in Ezekiel, in Ezekiel, God said no. Said they are included and given land because to God, see, God wants us to build a family even with those who don't look like us, act like us, or talk like us. He's building us and binding us together as one family. We're better together. We serve together. We care together. Caring together means we're to nurture, love, and look out and protect each other. It means that we support each other in no matter what. And it means when somebody falls down, we come alongside them and yes, we correct them, but you know how we correct them, how God intends us to correct each other in the body of Christ? It's not with words and judgment. It's with an investment. We say, yes, you've struggled, but I, in response, I'm going to invest myself in you, my time, my energy, my effort. So we care together. And last, we spend time together. Family needs to spend time together. Here's the deal. Church is not, does not end when this service is over. Church does not end when you drive out of the parking lot. In fact, it really is just beginning. Church is not a building. Church is not an organization. Your church is not Lifehouse. Lifehouse is part of your church. Your church is the family of God. That's what the word church means in the Bible. It's talking about the family of God. And what God is really doing is we come here and we connect together with God, but then God says, tag, now go out and be a family. Share life together. Be hospitable. Invite people into your home. Open your hearts. Open your homes. It's not always easy. If you're like me, that can be difficult to do. And it doesn't come naturally, but here's the good news. Hey, at LifeHouse, we've actually created something specifically to help you learn how to live God's way. We call them life groups. And they are our way of building community with each other. I belong to a life group. I have a life group, it's my softball team. I've been playing softball with the church for 14, this will be the 14th year now. And you know what's awesome is I've got to build relationships and friendships with guys I never would have met that attend other campuses. You know, I, I have the privilege of coaching the team and I've got to build relationships with people who attend here but who would have probably been nothing more than a smile and a handshake on a Sunday to me. But then we learned we were able to to, to go out there and we compete together and we have a blast. Look, even when we lose, we have fun. We don't have fun while we're losing because we all like to compete. But when the game's over, win or lose, we walk away with a smile on our face because we got to spend time with the people we're sharing life with because we're better together, because we care together, we share together, we do all of those things together. And so today, Listen, if you feel disconnected from the body of Christ and you're not in a life group, I have a very simple solution for you. Sign up for a life group. 
God wants to give you those relationships and build that. And I believe that God is going to challenge you today to become a greater part, a greater contributor to the community of the family of God. So Caleb's going to share more about how you can sign up today for that in a few moments. We're going to go into this song and we're going to worship God, but here's what I want us to do. As we sing, as we worship, I want this time to be our time to respond to this message from God in Ezekiel, this this idea of, of community and family. I want it to be our time to hear God's voice in our life. First of all, if you feel disconnected because you are not a part of God's family, you don't have that relationship with God, I told you you're going to get the chance today. Here it is. While we're singing, what you have to do, it's this simple. You simply let God know in your own words, in your own way, God, I need you in my life. That God doesn't care about fancy prayers or going through these rituals or anything like that. All he needs to know is that you need him in his life, in your life. So today while we do that, I, I just encourage you, just take a moment to do that. And, and then would you, would you tell somebody? Because we wanna celebrate with you. We love the fact that you are now a part of God's family. And so our, our prayer team will be down front in, on each side of the uh, stage today for the remainder of the service. They're kind of becoming in a moment. And then we also have a banner in the lobby that will say raised to life and somebody will be waiting there. If you today say to God, God, I need you in my life, tell one of them. Tell our prayer team or on your way out, stop at the raised to life. We just want to celebrate the fact that you're now part of God's family with us. We want to support you and find out how we can help you in this great new journey. Say no to the zero-sum game of the world. For the rest of us, here's what you're going to do. I hope you're going to join me because this is going to be me today. I'm going to be praying as we sing this. My, my ears are tuned to God and I want to be saying, God, what is one step, one thing you would ask me to do today? to become more of a contributor to the community of Christ. Maybe he's gonna ask you to step out and join a life group. Maybe he's gonna ask you to sign up for the dream team. Maybe he's gonna ask you to, uh, maybe he's been putting on your heart to lead a life group and you know it, to start a new one. I don't know. I, that's for God, between you and God. But here's one thing I do know. God has a plan for your life. And if you will open your heart as we sing, God will speak to you today. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.